Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast, the podcast that you've known and loved, hopefully for a while, or if it's your first time, welcome. Tune in for some nerd news and pop culture and what have you. I am Illegal86, I am one of the three hosts of our glorious show, and the other two are here with me, Nerd Bomber and Tectic. How you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling it this week. Hang- feeling it, SpongeBob. Wow vibe it. okay can, can you feel it mr krabs oh yeah that's oh i messed it up oh what kind of that's spongebob of that, fan you're am not I? one you didn't know what eels and escalators was to be <laughs> fair it was so random he literally comes walking up the stairs earlier and it's like eels and escalators and i'm like what what are you talking about eels. i don't think you need to know but that would not have been lost on me i i, I fancy myself a spongebob fan certainly i don't know i mean i'm not a, i wouldn't say i'm a super fan but like man some of those that show had it going on man anyways so you're feeling it today any any particular reason or that's just a very interesting response from you i'm not sure you're, if you're ever feeling it i mean i'm always feeling it but like i'm in a groove but not vocally yeah so the the weird thing about me is that I have not been sleeping well the last few days, just allergies and stuff like that. And you know, I've so got when you like say a, you're feeling it, you mean you're feeling sleep deprived? Or? <laughs> you know, when you're so sleep deprived, you hit that like manic mode where it's like I'm awake. So yeah, I'm feeling it. That was that was me in college. I mean, you, you, like you guys knew me in college. We were all sleep deprived in college a little bit, though, right? That's what college is. I it's slept, funny I didn't now. go to class. Well, like sleep deprived in college was like, oh, I only got like six hours of sleep. And now I'm like, I didn't get a full eight. I am dead, man. I need to sleep. Two-parter question for both of you. What do you shoot for in terms of a good night's sleep? And what do you average? I would say I average six hours. But on the weekends, Boy, boy I that do is just not enough. Six hours during the week. And then on weekends, I probably get like 10. Oh, wow. So you, so your average, yeah, your average clock's in probably around seven. Yeah, it, it nets out major, fine. But... Like when the beginning of the week rolls around i feel refreshed and ready to go then by like thursday friday i'm dragging a little bit but then i get my refresh right away so i'm good see i take two hour naps every wednesday i don't know what it is it's just like a cycle hits me around six seven o'clock at night boom see but then okay like let's talk about naps for a second first of all i cannot i'm anti-nap like pro nap i'm not anti-nap i would love to be able to nap but i can't I, it's some, it eludes me and i don't physically it eludes me i don't know why but napping if you're taking a nap your sleep schedule well it's i'm not i'm not saying i'm saying i literally if i go i could be as tired as anything if i lay down and it's light out unless i like pulled an all-nighter i ain't napping it's just not it's not hard-coded into me but but tactic let's talk about this because a, a, a two-hour nap most naps occur p. in the dead of winter by the way so well, sure, but it, it, it's okay. Let's say it's 7 p.m. Wednesday. You take your two-hour nap. You get up. It's nine o'clock. If it were me, if I were, if I imagine, if I were a napper and I woke up at nine o'clock, I would move to the bed and just keep going. At that point, I'd say you've made a commitment. But see, Nerd Bomber sure has this agree. rule where she's worked all day, and damn it, if she's going to bed before midnight. And so she will force herself to stay up and then I won't be able to go to sleep. So I'll just get up from my nap. I'll, you know, do whatever I got to do and I'll just be up for another four hours. It's not quite that, but he's kind of right. Like, I feel like by the time you get home when you're working your day job and you you get home around like 5.30, 6 o'clock and then you eat dinner 
and then you have like random chores and stuff and then your day is over and for me to be able to do the things that i like to do like i like to play games read books i mean i like to exercise heck exercising is an hour and yeah there you go like then it's then it's almost bedtime (laughs) just like i I need i need some downtime so that that's my late night downtime so okay let's just take this conversation all the way then When's your morning, when's your average weekday wake up? When's your alarm set for? Not when's your alarm set for, because people do weird snoozes and stuff. When are you out of bed? Are we talking about pre-pandemic work from home or during work from home? We're talking about right now, baby. Uh, 7.30. Well, it, it varies. It depends, honestly. Like, okay. if I yeah, if I sure. had a decent night, if I had my full six hours, then I'm like, okay, and other other days i don't it depends really like do i slide my shower into lunchtime or do i shower right away first thing in the morning kind of deal i don't know see i it could not be more different so first of all it's wake up time wise rigidly on the weekdays during a pan during pandemic times 7 30 7 31 you're not going to find me in that bed that's just who i am i'm always been, i've always been a morning person i wake up very rigidly at a certain time but in terms of when i go to sleep I start my winding down ritual around 10 o'clock and then by 10:45, usually 10:45, 11 o'clock is when I stop watching what I'm watching on TV or stop or put my phone down and it's lights out, baby. And that, that gives me probably around eight hours and I, my Fitbit tracks it, I think was like getting up to go to the bathroom and random crap. It's like seven and a half. If I was dating you, I would not eight. nap. No, you wouldn't have to. That's the point. I mean, I probably don't need naps. That's why I don't nap. But even before my sleep schedule was less, you know, gratuitous than this, I still couldn't take naps. See, here I'm aware that I'm on the upper end of the sleep spectrum, but I date, well, I'm engaged to a woman who places a very high premium on sleep. And I'm grateful for that, frankly. I will say when I have to go into the office and it's like, quote unquote, real time, I guess, and not this weird realm of fake time that I feel like I've been living in for a year and a half. The in-between. Yeah. Um, I wake up to go and start getting ready for work around like six o'clock. And then I'm, I don't stay up then until 12 because I just can't do it. Like I have to go to bed. Right. It's closer to like 10, 30, 11. But now that it's just like, I can, I don't have a commute. I don't have to really like, I don't have to dial myself up. I can show up to my computer and turn my webcam off and have a t-shirt on and it's fine. And I don't have to put makeup on or straighten my hair or anything like that. So, But if you stay up till 12 and you get up at 7.30, that's seven and a half. That's a tight seven and a half. Give, Are you getting in bed and yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting in bed. I don't fall asleep right away. Okay. Yeah, that's a key metric of, too, of course. Look, everyone, sleep's important. All right. I don't regret talking about this for, what, seven, seven and a half minutes of the episode because uh, sleep's important. And I, I, I want to make sure everybody knows it. And hopefully uh, we I didn't put sleep. you to sleep. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't think so. But who knows? We're, look, we're not going to talk about sleep the whole time. We're not going to talk about SpongeBob the whole time. But the point is, Nerd Bomber is feeling it, and we need to take advantage of that. So let's do that. We're going to be talking about Netflix today. They just made a big deal with Sony. We'll get into that. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Star Wars, something cool that they are apparently putting together for their ongoing theme park experiences. And then we're going to be talking about something near and dear to my heart which is, of course, The Last of Us. We're going to be talking about it in a bit of a different context. So we're going to lead off here with, I don't know, I mean, you can't really assign those news topics as like bigger or smaller than others. But in terms of like monetarily, let's talk about the Netflix-Sony deal first. So the story here is that 
up until very previously, and I did not know this, by the way, I'm learning things about like TV streaming rights, I guess, or like what they call, there was a term for it in this article, like day one streaming rights or something. So basically what happens is in non-pandemic times, at least a movie comes out in theaters and then some amount of time later it goes on sale on, you know, DVD, Blu-ray. I mean, they don't really make DVDs anymore, I guess, but Blu-ray and 4K and all that. And then it goes to paid streaming, I guess would be what you would call it. I guess, you know, I don't know where on demand falls in this, but essentially the moral of the story here is that up until very recently, extremely recently, in fact, Sony had to deal with stars where their properties would go to stars first. And stars, of course, is the premium cable service akin to Cinemax and HBO that I guess is owned by Lionsgate. I learned so I learned so much about about things here, guys. But as of recently a couple of days ago or today i don't remember exactly when it hit netflix will now have those exclusive like first streaming rights to properties that sony puts out in theaters and as a component of the deal they also basically have first rights to properties that sony wants to put directly on streaming and skip theaters for so this is when you think about what sony has coming down the pipe this is a big deal and and you hear a lot of properties being thrown around i think morbius was one of them that was people are saying this is a big deal for morbius your favorite uncharted my favorite Uncharted, of course. Uh, how could I forget? You know, we're going to be talking about Naughty Dog later. But I think all the Spider-Man and Venom movies too, right? Yeah, Venom was also mentioned into the Spider-Verse. Uh, I, I think there's a, a specific component of the deal that relates to animated properties too. But either way, this is a big deal, right? I mean, I don't think it was said exactly how much money changed hands here. Uh, obviously, it was a lot. And it probably also has to do with when certain movies come out, money will change hands, you know, things like that. But when you think about what these companies are all starting to do, right, when you think about HBO Max, which is a property of like Warner Media or whatever, getting all of these, you know, these theatrical releases in 2021 going essentially simultaneously and straight to HBO Max, you have Disney Plus doing a similar thing with Ray and the Last Dragon and move on and, and they'll, do, they'll do it with Black Widow as well. It seems like streaming is turning into more than streaming now, right? It, it, and it seems like these sort of like conglomerations, you know, you have ABC and, and Disney Plus and Hulu and you have, you know, HBO Max and Warner Brothers and, and, and DC. And now you have apparently Netflix and Sony is kind of the next one. And then you have, you know, the little offshoots like, you know, Paramount Plus and, and all that Peacock. It's turning into, I mean, this is one more step closer to the end game here that i think we've talked about on the show or if we haven't i'll just say we're gonna be back to like it's it's everything's conglomerating right and eventually there's just gonna be one thing left right i mean it's getting to the point where it's almost silly to have a cable subscription even if you wanted one which we currently we do have a cable subscription because which is wild by the way i yo i like hockey and i can't get my in market games with any of their subscription services, the NHL does not allow you to use center ice or anything for in-market games, which is a pain in my tushy and why I pay for cable still. But literally, like this just shows stars, the big pull for stuff like stars and Showtime outside of their original series is are the giant movie deals that they get. Like I remember back when my parents first got HBO and stars and Cinemax and all of that, it was so neat that a few months after a movie would hit theaters, we would be able to watch it on these channels that my parents would subscribe to. And now like there's no point to doing that because all of these movies are going into the, their owned conglomerates, if you will. Going to my parents' house, it's literally like, 
oh yeah i haven't seen you in months hi how you doing where's the remote because they have hbo and like look i have hbo max but like it's not the same it, it just hits different like it's and, and I, we probably had this conversation too about like some of my favorite movie watching experiences are movies that i've seen a hundred times that i find on cable because i don't have cable but i have to admit there's this perverse thrill and enjoyment that i get when i go to my parents house and i'm like i'm surfing around there's it's a reason because that it's your like your standards thing. for your enjoyment are much lower when you take the Probably. time to pick something you're like this better be damn good see i disagree though because there's something to be said like there's a lot of pressure on weekends now we've fallen into a routine where friday nights and saturday nights we try to find a movie to watch on one of the streaming services that we have and there's a lot of pressure because like Tectic just said you pick something it better be good whereas when you used to just channel surf you get to just be like, oh, hey, that's on. That's fun. Like, I just happened right. upon it. If it stinks, oh, well, it wasn't my choice. It's just what was available to me. And I mean, th- think about like the Hallmark channel. That channel exists in, in the sense of like people are feel are scrolling through cable channels and just feeling absolutely no pressure to find anything worthwhile. And for that reason, they are like, sorry, Hallmark channel, but that's what you are. Don't don't okay. besmirch the Hallmark Channel. They have besmirch some. I will, they have some great the crap out of Christmas it. movies. To be fair, there aren't a lot of Christmas movies out there. Like if you want to watch something new that's Christmassy, you get like one or two options a year from the mainstream movie studios. Like right. Hallmark okay. is where you got to go. I mean that's fine, but like right now, April. What? Who is watching? They're, My I mom. Mean, they're keeping. She the just lo- watched a movie with Joanna Garcia the other night, and she was very. She's actually very disappointed. She didn't think it was as good as she wanted it to be. But my mom, but my mom what? surfs for that she, stuff. Like, exactly. Well, she, and she moved right on because when you're surfing cable looking for a movie, you just care so much less. I mean, we've all experienced the Netflix scroll of like we have to find something good, and then you look, and the night is over because you feel like you have so much more information at your fingertips. You feel like you have much more potential, much higher potential to watch something good. Okay, right? I have I mean, to ask, what is your standard Netflix scroll time? Or not even Netflix. Like, what is oh your boy. standard time yeah. to select a movie on a streaming service before you actually sit down and watch something? Honestly, it depends on the day. Like, okay, say there's no new release that just came out, so you don't really have anything in mind. It still depends on the day. It depends on what mood we're in. Sometimes you're in a mood you're in a mood for a carefree movie. You don't even so much care about what you're watching, right? But sometimes it's Friday night or Saturday night, like you're saying, and we have to find something that is that's worthy of our worthy of our time, right? And, that, and then it's upwards of twenty minutes. I I don't know exactly how long, but they should be. I'm sure they have, but like they should be doing studies on this of like why is surfing cable so easy and so effortless and so low pressure and surfing Netflix and Hulu and all these combined services, which by the way, it's harder often to search between all of them at once. So you find yourself dancing around between apps and it's less efficient. But why is that so much higher pressure? Why do you feel so much higher pressure? To to get back to the topic though, I mean, there is some psychology student out there listening to this show right now. And if you're doing a study right now, and this is like your thesis moving forward, yo, give us a call. (laughs) I want to know. We definitely want to know. But Netflix getting Sony, you know, know, it's not like Sony is buying Netflix. But I will say one thing that I took away from this was like, how does Sony not have their own Sony Plus? Seems like a a thing that will happen. Didn't they have like a PlayStation TV sort of thing and they tried it and they didn't make a good run of it? I think isn't play. I mean, PlayStation view is different. I don't even know what that is entirely. 
they may have had something like it that didn't work out. Maybe they were ahead of their time because clearly now it's 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 all that jazz. Yeah, they're playing the Zune game. They could be playing the Zune game. That's right, right. But, but I mean, when you think about that, like, you know, Sony and Netflix are kind of a match made in heaven in that they're both kind of media providers without a country, right? They will probably work well together because it seems like in an age of apps like Disney Plus and Peacock, they, they desperately need each other. I cannot imagine how much money changed hands or will change hands. But the bottom line, I mean, for, for us, people who are, have Netflix, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the Netflix subscription cost will, will continue to go up a couple of dollars, as it often does. But nonetheless, for us, this is a win, right? I mean, I don't have stars. <laughs> this has to be a win. Uh, you know, I granted, I have like HBO and other stuff, but I don't have stars because stars i'm sure i could get stars but like without cable that seems kind of ridiculous so this is a win you know i'm more likely to watch morbius now i was going to watch uncharted either way but it is morbius right am i saying it right yeah i think so yeah uh we talked about that many episodes ago but i'm more likely to watch these things because when things come on netflix you know in as much as i just said you know you spend a lot of time scrolling looking for things if something's on Netflix, the chances that I'm going to watch it are certainly a lot higher than if 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 it wasn't there, right? So, well, I think it definitely it benefits Netflix because obviously it keeps us around, right? Like you know how every now and then you get into like a Netflix show hole where there, you have nothing to watch, and it, it feels like you've seen all of the titles that they're presenting to Currently you, and it's just one. like eh. Yeah. But if you have this current steady stream of new Sony titles that were in theaters guaranteed i mean that's going to keep people sticking around but also from a sony perspective you're definitely going to get more eyes on your stuff right which i you know i don't know how much of a problem sony has getting people's eyes on stuff but i mean still i think it's it's probably easier for them to know that hey when this comes out it's going to be on the front splash page of netflix because it's going to be a big deal movie Probably, I mean, right. we've seen the numbers when a big Netflix original releases on Netflix. I mean, what was that um, Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler movie that I don't remember? It yeah, was like Murder Mystery. Yeah, Murder Mystery Date Night or some yeah. crap like that. But like that had a huge streaming premiere. Like that didn't it break some record? And yeah, it, did. it was insane. So now I can just see Sony executives thinking, you know, that that could be us and giving these movies a second life after the theaters. Because like you said, I don't know how many people have stars. I certainly don't. I'm, I'm certain, you know, Netflix carries more subscribers than stars does. So at that point, it's a simple matter of, you know, numbers and, and to some extent dollars and cents for Sony executives. I'm sure they're, you know, in terms of exposure, like you said, more people are going to see it on Netflix than than on Stars. That's a simple fact. I don't know how much a Star subscription costs relative to Netflix. I have absolutely. I think you can get it as like an add on to Hulu and stuff like that, and like Apple TV Plus, you can add it on. I think that's Showtime, but I think Stars has one too. I have Showtime too. You have Showtime? Yeah, because it's an add on with my Spotify account. Really? Because I, Spotify, Hulu, and Showtime, I think they have like this bundle thing that I somehow qualify for. I don't know if it's because I'm a grad student or what it is, but so you, I think I watch Shameless and tell us how it ends. I guess I could Google spoilers too, but I have watched one thing on my Showtime app. Plug for the movie Hustlers with Jennifer Lopez. I actually heard really good things about that. It was pretty good. No complaints about that. So check that out. Netflix and Sony match made in heaven, match made in hell. You tell us. We're on Twitter, at OWIllegal86, at OWNerdBomber, at OWTechnic, and our main show account, at OnlineWarriors1. 
what are you excited to see on Netflix? What are you going to not see in theaters that you're going to see in on Netflix? Because that's, I mean, of course, I'm going to see Uncharted in theaters, provided theaters are open and we're out of a pandemic. So it doesn't matter to me that Uncharted is coming to Netflix. I suppose I would watch it again. But, you know, Morbius is one that I might not go see in theaters. But if it's on Netflix, sure, why the heck not? What what Which of these titles that we've mentioned does that for you? Let us know. Hit us up on the Twitter sphere. We're there. We're ready to chat. Let's talk about The Last of Us, because as I mentioned before, and as I've mentioned many times on the show, this is near and dear to my heart, but I think I have a feeling all three of us are going to get on a soapbox here. So the news coming out about The Last of Us is that Sony wants a remake, which right away, I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) I mean, The Last of Us 2 came out last year. I played it and liked it. The Last of Us Remastered on the PS4 has already been done. The The original Last of Us came out in 2013. I know that was eight years ago at this point, but it doesn't in the grand feel like eight years pop, ago. It's not that long, especially considering the fact that graphically and story-wise, the game was way ahead of its Yeah, I just remaster. played The Last of Us, and I thought it looked and felt great. Yeah, the the remaster itself, um, you know, didn't take much work, and it wasn't. It came out like two or three years later, I think, because they made it right at the tail end of the PS3 generation and just kind of wanted to move it into PS4. And now I guess they're wanting to do the same thing for PS5. Like, I get it, it, but I'm not sure if any of us, is there anyone in this digital room that thinks this is a good idea? I, I do. And it's because of the Mass Effect philosophy. It's a, but Mass Effect was two generations old. There is no way you can play it on Xbox One or PS4. But, well, Xbox One, you have back compatibility. I'm going to ask you one simple question, Nerd Bomber. Have you played The Last of Us? Well, no, but. Well, maybe this will give you a nice opportunity to do it. Right, but the remaster is She's currently... She's never going to play I it. I will play it. I'll play it. It's too scary. You're not going to play I it. Will, I, I will know you. <laughs> I mean, I have the remaster available to me. I will play it. But that's the thing. I have the remaster available to me. The thing that I am... So, I get it from the perspective of... Kind of a twofold perspective here. One, and this is what I'm really kind of interested to see if they do this. And I think it will be really bad. But I'm interested to see if they make this mistake. So obviously, you guys remember the hubbub about recasting the motion caption actor for Spider-Man when they redid that for the PlayStation 5, right? Yes, yes. And how it was very jarring, at least for me it was, because I spent so much time with one Spider-Man motion caption actor, and now suddenly I'm seeing him in a different face when I'm playing Miles Morales and the sequel, which has yet to come out. I wonder... And this could be crazy. And I might be talking on my butt. There's no way. There is an HBO show coming out. We just talked about the casting. Do you think they would try to remake this to tie in with the HBO show and redo the motion capture to have those actors? Fans would riot. Myself included, to be honest with you. But think about, consider the following. HBO shows have a tendency to take off and have a fandom that's way wider than the initial source material had just look at game of thrones i mean what the game of thrones television show make it a patch that's a good idea actually make it a patch but i mean if you're gonna make make it a patch if you can get new sales like you can play last of us remastered on the playstation 5 but if you spend the money to remake it with the actors that people come like if you were new to the series and you fall in love with the TV show, you might go out and buy a PlayStation 5 just to pretend like you're Pedro Pascal in The Last of Us. I mean, for look, for all I know, this is exactly what they are going to do. 
Timing-wise, it would add up, I think. They might record the motion cap the same time they record the show, film the show. I still am. I'm never. I'm never going to be on board with this. Especially something oh, we I don't think it's a good news. idea. But I think that's might that might be where they're coming from. They're they're shunting resources that could be spent. Look, I, I love remasters. Okay, I've wanted a Dead Space remaster for years. I think remaster. I wanted a Metroid Prime remaster. I think they're great ideas. But for a property like The Last of Us, they are shunting. You know, their smaller studios around saying, "Help Naughty Dog do this remake." That's that's actually where the news is coming out is is a sequel to Days Gone was rejected uh, in part because the studio was th- that is responsible for Days Gone Sony Bend Studios was told you know help Naughty Dog. Uh, granted, they're helping them also on a new Uncharted game, which I'm super interested in. But they also were asked to help with Last of Us Two, and now I guess a Last of Us remaster remake, I should say, because I, I don't it's it's too soon to even call it a remaster. What is there to remaster? So I don't know. This is this is tough for me because obviously, again, this is an IP that I particularly love. But what what are we doing here? Well, Make I think- the show. Uh, f- focus your efforts on the show. Also, that's another thing. I'm sure Naughty Dog has had to dedicate resources, not the least of which is Neil Druckmann, to the show itself. Neil Druckmann is an executive producer on the show. He's going to be away somewhere, and he should be. Let the video game property lie for a little bit. I think the interesting thing, too, is that this isn't even just like a remaster. The The Mass Effect Legendary Edition is essentially just a remaster. I know they're making changes to the first game, especially to like bring it more up to date with in terms of like RPG systems and whatnot and just making it feel better in terms of playability. But that's not even what we're talking about here. We're talking about a remake. Who needs right. this it's, right now? <laughs> that's a good point. What does that even mean? Because it's, it's not a remaster and that, that is a distinction we should make a note of maybe it is what you're saying maybe it is they're gonna slap pedro pascal in there which i like pedro pascal just fine but it's too soon it's like remaking back to the future after 10 years right i mean it it literally it almost feels like the same kind of folly they fell into with the spider-man movie franchise they were so obsessed with right remaking spider-man over and over and over again just so that they could pump out new spider-man you know what they're gonna make billions I, mean, I was going to say that 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 kind of worked. It shouldn't have worked, but that kind of worked. But like, it should not work. It's a it little chance of different. Working. And maybe I just not to make the gaming market seem a little bit hoity-toity, but games are different in that you can go back and replay a game and the experience is still fun. And I guess the same can be said from a movie, but like if you're just remaking it, you can always continue to buy The Last of Us. You can't re-release right. the old Spider-Man movies in theaters and expect people to show up again we're glossing over the story here regarding the developers so i want to make i just want to clarify that part so apparently sony's visual art service group which is a studio in san diego they took on a ps5 remake for the last of us with approval from sony but then it was handed over to naughty dog and the visual art service group was relegated to helping naughty dog complete the last of us part two so they were upset. They're, they're the founder of that group left Sony altogether. And uh, again, now Naughty Dog is apparently working on The Last of Us remake. It's, it's not known when it's expected. But again, then Sony, I mentioned before, Sony Bend Studios was working on a sequel for Days Gone. But they were told, help Naughty Dog. <laughs> I, I, it seems like all the studios are being, smaller studios are being told, help Naughty Dog. Which, well, I the love Bloomberg, Dog, but like, jeez, the Bloomberg headline for the article because this was a Jason Schreier article 
And he he always breaks like a lot of semi-controversial behind the scenes gaming industry news. And the headline he chose for this article was Sony's obsession with blockbusters is stirring unrest within PlayStation Empire. And I think that it seems like it is. Yeah. That headline yeah. <laughs> itself is concerning if you're a Sony fan. I think some of the things that Sony did really well over the PlayStation 4 era was that they were able to really innovate and bring forth new experiences because they weren't necessarily concerned with having a blockbuster game in terms of sales. Like the games were so good, they happened to become blockbusters. But if you didn't have the small team working on her, I guess maybe not small, but if you didn't have a team dedicated on working on a new IP like Horizon Zero Dawn, you might not have that franchise today. And that turned into right. a big hit for them. And even like The Last of Us, who knew that that would turn out to be such a big like it basically defined a gaming generation when it came out. So I mean, it, if, it's 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 like what people say about franchise filmmaking, right? Which is you're shunting resources, good directors, a lot of money into things we already know about, and you're leaving the projects we don't know about, the hidden gems, in the lurch. And, and I'm a big fan of the hidden here. gems. Right, I feel you like can make the same argument here. That's what makes gaming exciting because I'm one of those people, and I feel like we've talked about this before, but when you have a, a gaming franchise and Assassin's Creed, I kind of broke the mold on that because I jumped in with Valhalla without having played any of the other games. But when you're like three, four games in and you're trying to get me to come into a franchise at like big blockbuster right. game number five, I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going right. to do it. I don't disagree. We'll see whether Sony has any response to this this news coming out about unrest within their smaller studios and, and this PS5 remake, which I think has largely been not, not pan pan necessarily, but I think people are saying what we're saying, which is why do we need this? But in the meantime, let us know what you think again on Twitter, where we, where we live about the idea of a PS5 remake, whether you're in the mood for it, whether you're a fan like myself or not. And it presents an opportunity for you to dive into the franchise. We are going to talk about Star Wars, but not until after the break. Before the break, we are going to shout out our fantastic Patreon producers, as always, Mr. Ben Checkness, Mr. Stephen Keller. Take a bow. Yeah, find a stage somewhere, preferably. I mean, you could just take a bow wherever, you're, wherever you are, but you could also find a stage, go to a local community theater, whatever whatever you, you think is right. Ben and Stephen have been supporting us on Patreon for, for a while now, Ben, Ben for quite a while. Uh, Steven is, is a newer supporter and we thank him for that. They both support us at the night level, which is the highest of our three levels of support. And as a result, they get this producer shout out. They get input into our weekly game segment. And of course, they get access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. There's also a Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and the lowly page, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. So... For details on that, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. Thanks again to Ben and Steven, our noble knights. And uh, we will be right back after a word from our sponsors to talk about Star Wars. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter blue glasses are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever, and after constantly working remotely, binging endless hours of Netflix, tending to my Animal Crossing island, and scrolling through Twitter, my screen time is through the roof. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. 
Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. Okay, we are going to round things out today with some Star Wars content. We all love Star Wars. It never goes away, and it never should. But have you ever been to the Disneyland and Disney World Star Wars experiences? I don't think any of us here have. That was a rhetorical question for the listeners. You guys haven't been there, have you? I So we went to Disney World, I want to say like five, six years ago, maybe more at this point. And it was like just starting. They had some stuff open. Like there were a few rides and attractions. I know there was like a, a demonstration where Darth Vader came out in the middle of a courtyard or something and started like dueling people with his lightsaber. But I don't think it was the full-fledged Star Wars world like we know it now. So the news we have here is related to the Star Wars world. I've never been there myself, but one thing I do know and one thing I remember from the reveal of, I think the Disney World one, but I don't remember, is you have this, they have this place you can go and you can custom build your own lightsaber, right? It's super cool. I mean, if I had been there when I was a kid, even if I went there now, you know, that presents an amazing opportunity to me to spend, I guess, $200 is what I heard to build a lightsaber whatever hilt you want, whatever color you want. It could be double-sided, I think, you know, whatever you want. There's one problem, especially if you're a kid or if you're a parent of a kid, which is these do not... So when I when I was a kid, I had uh, these little lightsabers that we would get from like Toys R Us or whatnot. RIP Toys R Us. Toys R Us still open? Are they still alive? Or uh, I think in Canada. All right, well, RIP Toys R Us. We had, this, we had these lightsabers that they were the telescoping plastic. You know what I'm oh, talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. I got one from the circus once. It was an elephant. Super cool. Yeah, I got mine from KB Toys. KB Toys. That also a dead company, if I, if I remember <laughs> correctly. Showing our age a little bit. But uh, you could, you know, you could like whoosh them open by just doing like flicking it. And it, it was, and it worked like a lightsaber. You just, you whack crap with it. The Star Wars ones, they may make retractable versions, but some of the nicer versions are just giant light up sticks because obviously half the benefit and what the telescoping ones obviously did not do is light up. These ones you can get at Disneyland or Disney World, they light up, but they don't have the, I mean, you got to carry around a giant stick after that, first of all. And second of all, uh, when you turn it on, I guess the light probably shoots up the shaft, but like <laughs> that ain't, that ain't cool. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> um, well, the big news here is that uh, at a seemingly routine press event for the upcoming launch of the Avengers Campus at Disneyland on June 4th, uh, the chairman of Disney Parks ended the presentation with a surprise reveal of a new retracting light-up lightsaber. Now, for more on this, maybe maybe just more speculation. We don't really know anything. There's no pictures, no videos. It was at a press event that we can't see, don't have access to as far as I know. I'm going to swing this over to our DIY expert, <laughs> Tactic. Now, Tactic, I assume you're, you're, you're salivating from a technical perspective in terms of just how this is accomplished. But first of all, you know, good idea, Ben. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a great idea. But- I think we've, to your point, we've had the crummy looking, nicely portable telescoping ones. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we had the nicely looking, incredibly not portable. It's about time they met in the middle. Right. And the technology, in my opinion, is and has been there for a very long time, and they just were not 
taking the opportunity and doing it. And thank goodness, Disney, we've been waiting. And to clarify, we're not talking about like lightsaber lightsabers people there's still going to be some sort of plastic enclosure oh yeah this is this is kid safe see this is where i'm disappointed if i'm going to pay 200 bucks and if disney is going to tell me i'm going to get a real life lightsaber that thing better be able to slice through whatever yeah yeah i want to cut a kid's arm off (laughs) walk out of the store (laughs) i I mean let's be honest i want a legit lightsaber come on make it happen The, the, let's be honest the first thing you would cut off if you had a real life life probably my own foot was your own hand or foot yeah something i mean I, I don't know how many times i was i mean look when i was a kid i fancied myself a jedi and, and uh i had these plastic lightsabers and let me tell you i got good were you one of those kids like i know there are like youtube videos and tiktoks of kids who are like i was really the good. star wars kid you were wow i mean i wasn't good but i thought i was like i kind of want to see this i want a video of this Please do you it. Remember the Star the Star Wars kid thing from like way back? This was like before memes. It was like this kid was in a basement with a golf ball retriever and pretending it was a lightsaber and like whooshing it around and he like uploaded it to YouTube and like his life was ruined. Look up Star Wars kid. I'm sure it'll be like the first hit when you Google it. Uh, that was me. I mean, not actually. That wasn't actually me. I'm saying that I would be in a basement whooshing lightsabers around forever. Fake lightsabers. Yeah, I mean, I want one of these. You know, I, I think you're right, Tactic. I think the technology is there. I think, and you know, it might not be quite as realistic or lifelike or, or high-end as the existing $200 no-retraction lightsabers. But like you said, there's a meet-in-the-middle opportunity here. And also, they can probably get away with charging more. You know, I mean, $200 is already a, a huge amount. But if it retracts... I think people are going to be more likely to buy it. And especially parents will be more likely to buy it because they're going to be like, okay, there's less chance of you breaking this as soon as we exit the store into a crowded Disneyland thoroughfare. So it seems like a good idea. I want to ask you tactic. What would your lightsaber configuration be? So first and foremost, I'm, I'm signing myself up for this now. Once I get my 3d printer up and running, which it's going to be a while. (laughs) Don't hold your breath, folks. There's a, there's, because I don't have a place to put it, and I don't want my house to smell like plastic. Asking the tough questions. That's, that makes sense. Um, Continue. When I get it up and running, I will make my own that will retract. It will not slice and dice, but it will retract, and it will look purdy. Is it going to light up? Yeah, that's the whole point. Can you I'm, please... One of the things that I always loved, and I had my friend had one, but I didn't have it in my elephant lightsaber as a kid, was... I, I don't remember... Maybe it was like an elephant lightsaber. So it was, I got it from the circus. It was like your retractable telescoping lightsaber. And the flashlight, like the, you know, the handle part was this the hilt. (laughs) Thank you. Um, (laughs) The the handle part. Yes, go on. (laughs) But the, where the telescoping part came out, there was a big elephant head and then the telescoping lightsaber part was supposed to be the nose, the elephant nose. So you'd flick it and then the nose would come out and it was actually pretty neat. But there were some that also had like the accelerometer and stuff in it so that when you moved it around and it it could sense the movement, it would make the sound effects. That's, that's what I want. So the elephant one would make like an elephant trumpeting noise? No, it had no speaker. I got the, I got the budget one, you know? Right. But if it did. Yeah. That's what it would do. Tactic, I'm gonna I'm gonna pile on to the to the requests here because that seems like a good thing for your stress levels. Don't make a lightsaber, make a dark saber. That's that's Ooh. sexier right now, man. That's a newer thing. 
people just take the Mandalorian, take a take what's his name? Can't think of the guy's name. John Carlo Esposito with his dark saber and just cosplay that. Make a dark saber. Okay. 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 It would be it would, uh, it would be a dark purple LED saber sword. Ooh, you should make a UV well, one. You would need the light to be focused only on the edge, right? You would need there to be no light in the middle. Technical challenge. No. Uh, Vanta Black. No or Black 2.0. Vanta Black is a. Uh, yeah. For those that don't know what Vanta Black is, I know of it because I'm I'm a I'm a magician hobbyist, meaning I can't do magic, but I like watching magicians. And they have those card mats that they do magic on, and I think a lot of those are Vanta Black, which like technically isn't it like your your eye can't see it. The right it way. absorbs like ninety nine percent of all visible light. So if you put it along oh. the center of the sword, it would it would look completely dark, like you had described. There you go. You got you got you're halfway to a blueprint right there. So, but answer the original question: If you had a lightsaber, I'm talking color configuration, maybe funny hilt stuff like Kylo Ren has. What what are you thinking? I really like this idea, and and feel free to call me crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. But I like this idea of a dual-colored saber where it's not quite, say, an orange saber, but it's not quite a red saber. But the blade itself is 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 kind of a moving both colors, first and foremost. Like strobing? No, almost like swirling, if I were to describe it. Ah. So here, here is my lightsaber idea. And I don't know, I feel like this is not a thing, and I don't know enough about Star Wars lore. Like, I'm not a super nerd like you guys are about it. I just am a super nerd. I'm a like base level fan. But I would want a dual blade kind of like Darth Maul, except the dual blade would be hinged. So you could opt to make like a dual blade where they both go in the same direction, or you could expand it out so that they go in so opposing it's like, directions. So it's like double thick. Yeah. Uh, I How many you C's? Probably do that. Uh, Thick three with C's like at least. 10 C's. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would probably go... F- I would not do a dual lightsaber. That's a fast track to cutting my own foot off, as we've already alluded to. However, I think I would have two lightsabers. Just two. Just one in each hand kind of situation. Akimbo. Uh, I would go green. I think green would be... That would, that would be me. That's it. I know it's a boring answer, but... Yeah, I, I wasn't certainly. I didn't even finish my orange. answer. Then you guys were just like, "Oh, screw you!" I oh, thought oh, you, you were well, done. You you got red and orange. Well, okay, we're going to talk about what we actually want. You just, I only got well, my color in. Well, keep going. It would be There's a single saber, no dual wield, no two sabers, and it would be a saber shield that is made from what is that material from Mandalore? Vib- oh, um, Beskar. Beskar that is made from Beskar. I wanted to say vibranium. So you would have a shield. Yeah. Full-on Kanite style, almost. What limb of yours would you cut off first on accident? Nothing. I'd have a shield. Okay. You'd cut something off. You just don't know what. Yeah. Again, on Twitter, let us know. What, what's your lightsaber configuration? Will you buy a retractable lightsaber from Disneyland? Will you go to Disneyland? Will you go to Disney World? I have not been to the Star Wars thing. I've heard it's great. Maybe I'll go someday. I don't know. I'm not a big theme park guy. If you could pick but, one theme park to go to first, would you go to, say Nintendo Land was open, would you go to Nintendo Land? Would you go to Disney? Or would you go to, so I guess Nintendo Land would be part of Universal. But I'm going to Disney. Okay. Universal's great, though, because of Harry Potter world. That's that's a thing. Uh, you should go there if you haven't gone there, listeners. And also Technic and Nerd Bomber, I guess. 
we're going to move into what are you up to Wednesday now. We're going to find out what we've all been up to before getting to our quiz. I'm going to go first because I'm I'm quick this week. I don't have much to update on. Finished the great pottery throwdown, which was fantastic. Great, easy watching. I maintain that. But other than that and continuing to read Malcolm Gladwell, I just want to shout out a movie I watched yesterday. It's one of my dad's favorite movies. Hey, dad. You don't listen to the podcast, but if you did, you'd be happy right now. Four Weddings and a Funeral. Have you guys ever heard oh, of this yeah. movie? We've also watched, they, they made a, Mindy Kaling made a TV show on Hulu about this too. Yeah, I watched the huge, huge Grant, or the OG, 1994, and let me tell you, it is very British. It wasn't bad. It's, if you like romantic comedies. I do. You'll know where it's going, and you won't mind. That's, I think that's where I'll leave it for now. There is like one kind of, I mean, the funeral is kind of a twist, even though it's in the title. Very enjoyable. Again, very easy watching, easy going. Didn't take long to pick it because it, I think it's like, I don't even know if it's two hours. Kind of like, what the heck? And also Hugh Grant is very, very young. And he was young at one point, guys. He has aged. Uh, I would recommend it. Streaming on Amazon Prime for free. So again, kind of, kind of can't go wrong. Pretty low impact. A recommendation that's it for me this week my life has not been that interesting so i will swing it over to my guy tactic you had me googling images of the dark saber 10 out of 10 making that this is exciting okay hey man you're, you're welcome i don't know so my biggest what are you up to wednesday don't put the h in there i'm serious it's horrible i'm not serious you can do what you want is we watched the movie my name is doris and you know I thought it was a fantastic movie. It was a feel-good. It said that old people can get it too. Age is, you know what? Age they, is just a number. Can get it. <laughs> and it's great. It was it was funny. It was charming. It was... Do you want to give like a, a short descriptor of what the movie was about? Old people can get it. No, it's a... <laughs> yeah, he, he already did, I think. It's a movie about the, this older woman named Doris who uh, falls for a younger co-worker and oh, sally field yeah oh yeah yeah and max greenfield Oof. and aside from normal cultural things telling her not to she just she goes for it and you know she makes a really good friend out of it and it's this heartwarming film and honestly a good time for a friday night and she can get it she can get it you know honestly sally field she can get it she can get it yeah no that's that's just a stone cold fact right there right on Getting getting some some feel good movie recommendations. I feel like also both of these are rated R. Put the kids to bed. I don't. We should probably do that more. Were there any sex? There were no sex scenes. There was several like adult jokes and and things like that. But honestly, you could probably have the kids right there. It'll be over their heads. Like I'm I'm trying to think. Eighty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Eighty five percent. That's pretty good. Some swearing, some substance abuse. She wanted her last names to be like comes a lot or something yeah but like i don't think there was anything like super graphic or explicit about this movie i didn't know it was rated r when we watched it, it i mean it wouldn't have changed anything i just it didn't seem like a rated r movie her last name is is miller by the way doris miller i'm on the rotten tomatoes page it's readily available information to me no she made a fake last name oh never mind you gotta watch it yeah, I, gotta, can, I, have to, I have to watch the movie i guess it's on hulu for free streaming if you have hulu so decent watch Oh, my guy, Steven Root's in it, too. Big Steven Root fan. He played Todd, if, if you must know. Well, Nerd Bummer, you want to round us out here? I'm tactic, I don't know if that was it for you, but we're just kind of racking up movie recommendations right now. Oh, I'll kick it over to Nerd Bummer. So my biggest thing, I started reading Ready Player Two. and Oh, whoa, really? Yeah. 
a, a stupid question. Of course, you, you would, why would you <laughs> lie about that? I came on the air and I'm lying about reading this book. Uh, so I really liked Ready Player One. I guess I'll give you a little bit of my history with Ernest Klein. I really liked Ready Player One. Super enjoyed it. I thought all of the like nostalgia references, it felt like kind of innovative at the time. Then I read Armada, which is his follow-up book. And it felt like a Ender's Game clone with more 80s references. And I was like, okay, clearly this guy has like a shtick. Then I saw the Ready Player One movie and I was like, eh, the book was better. You know, Boy, was it? I, I, I wasn't feeling the movie. So then when they announced the sequel to the book, I was super excited. because I was like, yo, I really liked the original book. Maybe Armada, like he built this one world with, with Ready Player One and Armada, he just didn't, wasn't super comfortable writing a new theme. Maybe he needs to go back to those characters. And uh, it's not working out. It's not terrible, but it's not good. It's more of the same. So I don't want to give too much away, but I will say essentially same characters, same references every other page. Like there was almost an entire chapter where it was just full of reference drops and explaining an old 80s property. That was like an entire chapter of this book. And again, basically we... I don't want to spoil Ready Player One. I don't want to spoil Ready Player Two. But the plot line is essentially the same too. Like there's another, I don't there's understand. another quest, there's another hunt that they have to go on, and it's just like, okay, and they have to do '80s references to find the the things that they're looking for, and they have to know all of these super in depth properties and clues. And it's just like, well, I read this book already. It was called Ready Player One. Did he find? Did he hide another? Timeless fortune. I'm confused how you could do that again. I don't. Oh, don't I don't want to give it away. Yeah, I don't. Because it's like a third of the way in, so it's not like an end kind of spoiler thing, but like a third of the way in, it's like oh my gosh, kind of deal. So I don't want to give it away, but basically, it, it's it's a what? It's a what kind of deal? Like an oh my god. So okay, I don't want to <laughs> tell you what it is, but it happens about a third of the way in the book, and essentially, it's another scavenger hunt through '80s references in a vr ar world and it's not bad it's just like it's more of the same yeah more of the same so that's where i am with that (laughs) (laughs) we got we got two movie recommendations that were like yeah and one book recommendation that was like "Eh." well like look if you really liked ready player one and you're okay with reading more of the same and you don't care that there's going to be a slew of references and that's not tired for you go for it i mean i'm having fun with it it's just like eh if if someone asked me if it was good, I would just be like, eh. You would say variety is the spice of life. Exactly. Well, there you have it. That's what we have been up to. Uh, another thing I've been up to, by the way, is uh, making a quiz. And I want to say we got we got, uh, we got a tie in the vote this week. And I had a very difficult time choosing between the two topics because both are near and dear to my heart. I'm going to speak with our producers about next time I am a host for a quiz, just straight up reusing the one that was tied because it was hard to not select it but i had to go with my gut and my heart and other organs of mine and uh go with seinfeld this week if you haven't watched seinfeld that is a cultural institution so i recommend you watch it uh it's on hulu right now Uh, i've actually i watched an episode yesterday okay that's kind of the reason i picked it i've recently gotten back into it i've watched the show many times through but it's always good to revisit for all of its cultural references 
uh, all of its hilarious moments, all of its great characters. So the quiz today is about Seinfeld. And you guys, have you guys ever watched Seinfeld? On and off back in the day. Okay, so two kind of. Actually, I guess Tactic just said yes, but I don't don't know if he's a diehard fan. We'll find out. I have five questions here, and I have a six for a tiebreaker. So we'll see if we need that. But uh, we're going to start with the basics here. How many episodes of Seinfeld are there? How many episodes were aired? And uh, we're going to start... We'll start with Nerd Bomber. Ladies first. I feel like there are a lot. And I feel like seasons used to have more episodes back in the day than they do now. Um, I'm going to say this is probably too much. I'm going to drop it down. 500. I'm going to say 500. I think it's more than that. Um, I was going to guess 600 independent of what she said. Okay, so let's... Let's do some math here. How many episodes does a half-hour show have? Or how many did a half-hour multi-sitcom, multi-camera sitcom have back in the day? Think about Friends. Think about other shows. Well, it it was 24 episodes a season, right? It was like half the year. Mm-hmm. That's right. Do you think Seinfeld had like 25 seasons or however many? <laughs> That's, uh, no, Seinfeld had nine seasons. That's eight. Total... It feels like it was on forever. I mean, Friends only had, I think, 10 seasons seinfeld had 180 episodes total so you both really no points i feel Uh, like i've watched hours upon hours of it the first the first season of the show i'm a seinfeld expert Uh, the first season of the show i think had like three or four episodes one of those things and then after that i think it did have 20 plus episodes a season uh times eight if you math that out it comes pretty close to, to where the 180 is so total busts on that one no points uh it just seems like one of those shows that has so many more episodes i don't know why it may be because a lot of the shows we've a lot of the episodes weave together multiple subplots but i mean other than again like every show does that so i don't know what to tell you the finale of the show the season nine series finale one of the most watched finales in television history i think it's like this and mash are like the top two how many people watched the seinfeld finale and we'll start with Technic this time. 250 million. I feel like that's too many. I'm going to say one. Yeah, 76.3 million. 250 million is a lot. How many people are I feel like one is now? just a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't so, know exactly where, but... You were technically closer than I was, too. Yeah, it's true. So, uh, Nerd Bomber's on the board. In 2015, I, I, I remember this very vividly, actually. Uh, there was a huge bidding war over who would get the streaming rights for the show. Uh, reportedly, what was the lower bound? Because there, there's typically a range given by how much they spent. The number isn't public. But what was the lower bound on the number spent by the winner of the bidding war, which was Hulu and their bomber? I'm going to say $200 million. I'm going to say one. And Tactic is on the board with the old one trick. Uh, the bound is given as 130 to $180 million. So... So Nerd Bomber, you would have busted close. either. You, you were close. You would have busted either way, but you were looking for the lower bound, and 130 million is the oft-reported number. So Tactic and Nerd Bomber have each both have both each used the the one trick to uh, get themselves a point. I feel and like we'll we should make into... a rule, kind of like remember in like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where you could do a lifeline, only use... and you can only do it like one time. Okay, no more one guesses. Sure, we'll do that. Why not? In the pilot episode of the show, so so this show f- centers around four characters, one of which, perhaps the most popular, is Kramer. In the pilot episode, if you watch the pilot episode, Kramer is not called Kramer. It's the same character, but he is actually known as Kessler, because the real Kramer, who was the former neighbor of writer Larry David, 
Kenny Kramer, was hesitant to let his name be used for the show. Eventually, the real Kramer relented and was paid for his name to be used. How much did they pay him? That's interesting. It's a great question. Easily the question that I like the most. Saved it for number four. In dollars, right? In <laughs> Yeah, in, in, in dollars. No, he got paid in peanuts. I just had to make sure. I'm going to say he was given... I, I think that he was passionate about the show, so it wasn't an absorbent amount of money. So I'm going to say it was 100K. I'm going to say half a million dollars. A thousand dollars. That's it? They didn't know the show was going to be big at the time. You have to remember. They had, they had basically just filmed the pilot and he relented. For what it's worth, uh, I, Kramer and Larry David, I think, still have quite a few problems. The real Kramer, I mean. He actually hosts a real life Kramer bus tour in New York City to this day interesting man from the sound of it see i i don't know why but i thought like he relented and then it would be like a uh almost like a per episode basis that's why my number was so high because i was like maybe he agreed he was like you know i'm gonna have to hear my name on every episode so you're gonna have to pay me x amount per episode and then extrapolate it but hmm. a a cool g i guess man Uh, if anyone wants to use my name nerd bomber in a tv show uh, cut me a check. You're gonna need, you're gonna need, you're gonna need more money than that because that's the pit. Yeah. Okay, headed into the last question I have here. It's tied at one. I do have a tiebreaker on hand, but you both need to step up your game. Okay, so as I mentioned before, there were nine seasons of Seinfeld. I believe it originally aired on NBC. How much was Jerry Seinfeld offered for season ten? Which, by the way, he turned this number down. Of course, season ten never happened. How much did they offer to pay him total? For the entire uh, season 10. I mean, I'm trying to think. I remember with Friends, didn't they get paid per episode? And they were making like... I have both figures in front of me. So if you want to give a per episode number, I can do the math for you, I guess. I'll, I'll do the math, but I'm just... I'm trying to think. Like, I want to remember one of them. Like, it wasn't Jennifer Aniston. Wasn't she making like $2 million an episode at the end? And he's the titular character. So I'm going to say he made like... 3 million and then there were 24 episodes and my calculator won't turn on hold on i can do this 70 72 yes thank you 72 yeah i i don't do mental math i refuse i think that's a bust so i'm not going to do the one i'm going to do 1 million okay it's cheap trick uh it did not work five million dollars per episode guys for 22 episodes that's 110 million (laughs) dollars so nerd bomber takes it Boop, boop. I will tell you that I'll just walk you through the bonus question. Just for he no turned reason. that down. He turned it down. He really didn't want to keep going with it. I guess Jerry Seinfeld, the character, not the actual guy. As far I as could I promise you guys, for an amount of money, I would totally be a sellout. Oh yeah, I would take one hundred ten million dollars. <laughs> Throughout the series run, Jerry Seinfeld on the show had sixty six girlfriends, less than one girlfriend every three episodes. Pretty good. Yeah, Nerd Bomber takes it. She will host next week's quiz topic TBD. We want to thank you all for joining us for another amazing episode of the Online Warriors podcast. Thanks again to my co-hosts, Nerd Bomber and Tactic. Thanks again to our Patreon producers and all who listened. And thank you to all who leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate you heading over there, dropping us some kind words or unkind words if you hate us. Um, I mean, look, that's how reviews work. We, 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 it takes all kinds. Um, hit us up on Twitter. I already mentioned the handles and uh, be kind to each other and we will talk at you next week. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? 
Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy.